Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, and our reading today is from Matthew, chapter 3, verse 13 through chapter 4, verse 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today marks the beginning of our Lenten series. And we will be going on a Lenten journey. We will be traveling with Christ to various destinations. Our first destination helps us to understand why we have these 40 days. We travel with Christ as we go to the wilderness. Now I included a few more verses than we usually use for these readings because I wanted to put this event in context for us. 
because too often this event is taken by itself and we have no frame of reference when we try to think about when it is that Jesus is in the wilderness. It just happens. I also wanted to make a connection to our previous series because we start with a phrase that we also heard in the Transfiguration. We begin with Jesus going to the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. When Jesus rises from the water, the Spirit rests on him, and we hear the familiar words. This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We see that connection to the transfiguration when we saw God's glory revealed in Christ and heard those same words. And so now we step back. We step back from that moment of Christ revealed on the mountaintop into before Jesus begins his public ministry. Before he begins, he is baptized. And after his baptism, he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It is there that Jesus faces temptation. Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, and after that we get a rather interesting back and forth with Satan offering temptations to Jesus. And these tests often remind me of Job because the temptations can be seen as tests of understanding Scripture, of understanding divine purpose. The first of these temptations is, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Basically, if you have the power, use it for personal gain. Don't just sit there hungry. But Jesus replies with a quotation from Deuteronomy, chapter 8. And it is in the latter half of verse 3, which reads, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is directly quoting from Scripture as a response. So in a way, the next temptation is rather fitting. Jesus is taken up to the holy city, up to the pinnacle of the temple, and from up on that high place, he receives his next challenge, his next temptation. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. But now we have something a little different. We get a quotation from Satan. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. This is a quotation from Psalm 91. If we read verses 11 and 12, they read, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And this is something important to fully comprehend. Because Jesus once again replies by quoting Deuteronomy, this time from chapter 6 and the first half of verse 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now what I find interesting about this is that both Satan and Jesus are here quoting scripture. 
in this exchange in the wilderness. Both have cited the Bible. Now, you may have noticed that I don't often quote particular verses of Scripture and cite them. Part of this is because I often don't like to pull individual lines out of their contexts. A big part of the reason is this exchange right here. Because something that we have to understand about the Bible is that if we try to take individual lines and rip them out of their context, out of their place, and quote them, we can miss the bigger picture. I think it's important for us to recognize that because it can be very tempting just to quote individual lines and say, the Bible says this. But we are then pressed to ask the question, is that really what it says? This is something I wanted to address at the beginning of our Lenten journey, a journey to prepare ourselves. Lent becomes a time where we prepare ourselves for Easter, that we remember Christ's death and resurrection, what they mean for us, and how they call us to live, that we work on getting our hearts, minds, and souls in the right place, that we think about what God's love and mercy truly mean for us as followers of Christ. And that really is why I wanted to pause on this interaction in the middle of this interaction, because Satan quotes scripture very directly. It isn't misquoting scripture either. It's quoting it directly. And then Jesus quotes scripture right back. Satan says, angels will protect you from even bumping your foot against a rock. Well, Jesus contends that you shouldn't test God. Both of these verses come from a larger context surrounding them. So we are forced to see if they speak to the larger context of understanding God better. And Jesus here is making the point that we cannot demand a miracle. Because that is not trusting God. If we look at the second half of the verse he quoted, it mentions Massa. That is where the Israelites argued with Moses about finding water the place where Moses asked why they wanted to test the Lord. And you can read Exodus 17 for that reference. But when we have that context, we can see the bigger point Jesus is making. Testing God isn't a sign of faith, but it is a sign of doubt. But it also means we could read scripture wrong if we're not paying attention. Because we also have to think about the motivation for quoting scripture. Is the motivation to honor God? Is the motivation to highlight what is right, what is good, what is just? What this interaction says to me is that we have to be thinking about that when we decide to quote scripture. 
Why are we quoting it? And are we quoting it in a way that honors the overarching message? Or are we just pulling out verses that sound good? Now, I have a great example of this that actually comes from the third interaction in our reading today. The final challenge in Matthew is that Satan shows Christ all the kingdoms of the world and offers them to him. If Jesus will just fall down and worship him. And that's verse 9 there in Matthew 4. And, and here is a great example of why context matters. Do we want to be out there lost in the wilderness, not understanding the scripture we are quoting? Do we want to fall into the trap of quoting scripture in a way that doesn't honor the message, the way we see Satan challenging Christ? I say this because I once saw a picture of one of those inspirational verse-a-day calendars. And I believe that it quoted Luke instead of Matthew. And I've never seen it in person, but I think it, the picture itself highlights just how easy it is for this to happen. Basically, it said, if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Inspirational. Right? The calendar didn't take into account who was speaking. And that changes the entire meaning when you realize that it is a quotation of Satan tempting Christ. In Matthew, it reads, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. It changes the entire meaning. Because context changes what the words mean. Jesus replies by rebuking Satan for a final time, saying, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And Jesus, in this case, is quoting Deuteronomy. And it seems like it's a combination of chapter 6, verse 13, and chapter 10, verse 20. At this point, Satan departs, and Jesus is finally left in peace. Now, I have put so many citations in because of the fact that it's important to know how much of this back and forth is directly quoting from the Psalms and from Deuteronomy. Now after this is when Jesus begins his public ministry. Our final few verses for today show Jesus leaving Nazareth and making his home in Capernaum. And he goes out to share the message Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I extended our reading to this point to give us the final context for the journey into the wilderness. That journey doesn't happen in the middle of Christ's public ministry. It isn't the middle of everything. 
but happens before he goes out and begins calling his disciples to him. Jesus is driven out to the wilderness to prepare for that ministry. It's this test that helps to strengthen him, being tested to know that he was ready. That's what reminded me of Job in all of this. A test of faith. It also reminded me of Moses' own 40 days on the mountain with God. It is a time of preparation to ready heart and mind to be in the right place. And I think that is the challenge for us as we begin to prepare our hearts and minds, to prepare our souls for the resurrection, that we allow ourselves to think about where it is we should be. Are we in Christ? When we read scripture, do we absorb it as a whole? When we quote the Bible, are we quoting it to convey God's message of hope for the people? Are we sharing it to share the peace of Christ with the world? Do we share it so that the Holy Spirit can bring joy to the disheartened? Do we convey God's justice and forgiveness? Because when I pick up the Bible, I am reading the story of a God who loves I pick it up and find a forgiving God. I find a God who loves justice. I discover a God who's full of mercy and grace. So when I quote the Bible, I want to make sure I'm quoting it for the right reason. And that I'm quoting it accurately, conveying the message that it has. Because you can flip the Bible open and confuse yourself by picking verses at random to quote. It is far too easy for us to find a verse we like and separate it from everything else in the Bible. And we forget that none of these verses is in isolation. And no book of the Bible is in isolation. Though it is a book written by many authors from many times and many places, it comes together to tell the story of one God. So here is my challenge for you in this season of Lent. That every day, each and every one of us sits down with Scripture. Be it a Lenten reading plan, using a daily devotional, however you would like to engage. I simply encourage you to engage. If you need help in finding a plan, please come talk to me. I am more than happy to help whether it is just reading through one gospel, all the gospels, the entire Bible. All I ask is that you engage. But however you do engage, I pray that we may reflect on our reading to ask ourselves just a few simple yet important questions. What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about how to live? What is this saying to me today? I pray that each of us can grow in our understanding of Scripture so that when we open this book, we do so with the desire to understand the God who loves us. Though we open it wanting to grow with Christ at each and every turn, 
that we let the Spirit guide us so that we reach a greater understanding of God's grace so that we may share that grace with others. And that each of us will find that our Lenten journey has brought us closer to God and prepared us to renew ourselves and our own ministry so that we too may proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Amen.